again at Delisted the Podcast. I'm Michael Kay. And I'm Allison. We're going to start off this episode on a very sad note again mm-hmm. by um, acknowledging the death of Chadwick Boseman, who died at the very, 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 very young age of 43. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a shock, and not only because he was so young, but because he had been fighting colon cancer and nobody knew. Mm-hmm. He he kept it private. Uh, the sad news came from Chadwick's Instagram and Twitter pages, and the post said that he was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in 2016, and it eventually got to stage four. And during those four years, he underwent treatment like chemo and surgeries, and he also continued to work. He did seven movies during that time. That's unreal, by the way. Like, yeah, I'm not going to complain about anything ever again. Yeah, it's it's yeah. And he he also visited children with cancer at St. Jude. He during that time, he married his girlfriend, Taylor Simone Ledward. Mm -hmm. So he continued to really like fully live life while, you know, going through this awful thing. Yeah. And apparently donations to colon cancer organizations have gone up and his death has brought a lot of awareness because we're all told to start colon cancer screenings at like 45. Yeah. And he was diagnosed when he was only 39. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and I think it's also one of those it's it's a two part like sort of um, diagnosis thing where, you know, you're always told like, oh, colon cancer, you don't do that test till you're later. But also isn't. I, at least in Canada, there was there was like a stigma around colon cancer testing, and so they oh, had really? to like yeah. In Canada, we had to have all these commercials being like, "Don't be embarrassed. You need to get a, a colon cancer yeah. screening because it's like one of those cancers where people are like they get too embarrassed and they don't want to actually go and get a test for it." His death brought awareness. So, mm-hmm. and like he did have many big and important roles, you know, under his belt, like Black Panther and Marshall, where he played Thurgood Marshall, and 42, where he played Jackie Robinson and Get On Up, where he played um, James Brown. But it really did feel like he was just getting started. Yeah. So that's, it's a very devastating loss because it just felt like there was a lot, lot more to come. There was, although, I mean, I know what you're saying, how it feels like, it feels like he was just like starting to get work and just starting to get like super, super successful. Like he was already successful before. but Yeah, and had amazing roles. Yeah. And- but like, I went back and checked his IMDb page because I was like, I, to me, it felt like, oh my God, he like just, just started getting working. But no, he like started being on TV in like 2003. And it's crazy because if you, if you do look at his work history... He did tons of stuff. Like oh, he, yeah. He yeah. worked steady. He was a very steady worker. So, like, he definitely should have done more. So it's tragic. Yes, very much so. And condolences to his family and his wife. And I now need to correct myself from something I said last week. Correct yourself before you... Wreck myself. Yourself. I know I already wrecked myself. Mm-hmm. So um, damage correcting that wreck. So on last week's episode, we talked about Charlotte Kirk. Right. She's the British actress who had affairs with some powerful men in Hollywood. She fucked them allegedly in exchange for roles. 
So she also allegedly extorted two studio heads, Ron Meyer and um, Kevin Sujihara, and both were married, so she threatened to expose their cheating asses. Allegedly. And they both settled with her. Yes. So I said last week while we were talking about this that I didn't think she got any money mm-hmm. and that the settlement was like for roles in a book deal, right? And, and I think my guess was that she settled for like $2 million or something. No, you said $5, five million. million. Yeah, $5 million. Okay. <laughs> but I was wrong. You were right. Um, the Los Angeles Times said that she settled with Ron Meyer for $2 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made at least one payment toward that settlement. Oh, no. And that, that payment was $500,000, which is still a lot of money. It's good. But I mean, girl, if you are negotiating a settlement, you do not do settlement payments. Payment plan. Yeah, don't take a payment plan. Well, I think what I read is that like that's what he could get his hands on at that time. Oh, Money-wise. But, you know, but I... But I was making it look like she didn't get shit. So I apologize to Charlotte Kirk for questioning her alleged grifting skills. Look, I am sorry. And we know she has a work ethic. Like she wanted roles. And so she can work. She put in the work and she allegedly got a settlement. So yeah, apologies to her. So now let's move on to the VMAs. Yes. So the VMAs happened on Sunday night in New York City. And by happened on Sunday night in New York City, I mean, in the most technical sense, alive humans were present at the VMAs in various parts of New York City. So originally, the VMAs were supposed to be held at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, which I think they hadn't been held there since like 2013. So it was a big deal. And they were like, oh, the VMAs are coming back to New York, baby. That's my New York impression. Anyways, uh, of course, COVID-19 hit. And um, for a while, it was kind of up in the air as to whether or not it was even going to be held. But for some reason, the VMAs were always like, no, we're going to do it live. We're going to have a show. And then like a couple, maybe about a month beforehand, Um, there was like stories coming out. Allegedly, everybody working on the VMAs were like, we really don't feel safe. This shouldn't happen in person. So they changed it. They're like, we're going to have people perform still, but they're going to be at a bunch of different stages all around, um, you know, the greater New York City area. Uh, some will have no audiences. Some will have limited audiences. Which is what happened. Yeah, like they performed. They mostly performed without audiences, but some of them like performed in drive-through, like, like not drive-through, drive-in. Yeah. <laughs> drive-through, yeah. like Doja Cat was in a McDonald's. And they like <laughs> drive-through and look through the window. That they, That's what they should have done. Honestly. Oh, poor Doja Cat. So yeah, it was still hosted by Kiki Palmer. She was still going to host it, except the host. I really want to talk about her opening with you because... Of course, it had to be digital. She didn't have an audience to say her monologue to. So she yeah. was set up in like, it was obviously like a green screen situation. Yeah, and, the whole show was like green screen overload. Yeah, but it was also tons of actual screens though. So they're like, like with Kiki Palmer's opening, there were people on like TV screens that were supposed to be in like high rise apartment buildings, but they yeah they were there. like CGI people. It they was very weird. It looked CGI them in. Yeah, it kind of looked like it was kind of Hunger Games esque to me. Like yeah, a little like post apocalyptic, which is fitting. 
Oh, for sure. Also, you know what it kind of reminded me of was um, the Spice Up Your Life video. You know, the yeah. one where it was like sponsored by Pepsi. Yeah, definitely. And like, fl- yeah, so it was very... Not not as good technical-wise, but th- they tried. Spice- MTV tried. Spice Up Your Life is a cornerstone of music video making. You can't do any better than that. So the best they can shoot for is subpar Spice Up Your Life, which is what they got. So also, um, the VMAs could have just been called like lady gaga presents the vmas because it was all about her she won so many awards she won song of the year artist of the year best collaboration best cinematography and the tricon award which is they just made that up for her it used to be the vanguard award and so i looked up the tricon award because for me i think that there's a building company in toronto like that builds condos called like tricon and i was like this isn't sponsored by the condo building company but what the tricon award is according to the internet it's an award for somebody whose career uh, success spans all different types of things, like movies, television, music, activism. activism. Yeah. They made it Makeup. up, basically. They totally it's called made the Made Up Award. Made up because we want her to show up and perform for 10 minutes. Yeah, they're like, did. and she's got Chromatica. She's got to push Chromatica. So she's got something to sell. And she's the biggest star we can get. So I mean, give hey, her every award. No disrespect to Doja Cat. Well, that's a thing. Like, <laughs> I usually I know nearly everybody, like, famous wise, because right. I'm always on the internet. I have no life. I mm-hmm. even know the kids. But, like, I had, there were performers. I had no idea who they are. There were presenters. I had no idea who they are. I've never heard of them in my life. Yeah, it was very, like, I, I was like, I think that this is for, like, the TikTok crowd. But, like, they're not watching. They're on TikTok. So who is this for? Like, I know who chloe and hallie are and i know yeah, who i know the who they are. Is. but then yeah. that guy jack harlow who was like performing on a basketball court so he has that song what's poppin and was again, this the pre-show yeah that was the pre-show oh yeah i didn't watch that oh well i mean the pre-show had a lot more uh people who you wouldn't have known so it's probably best that you skip that <laughs> but michael you know who the black eyed peas are and they closed out the show for honestly some reason like you yeah like, this like this is 2020 and the black eyed peas are closing the vmas the black eyed peas by the way singing i got a feeling from god knows what year 2008 or some shit and a song called vita loca which i'm sorry ricky martin already did that in like 1999 yeah everything about it felt like nothing felt new it was very weird i mean they eat they even didn't have fergie which again that's a real throwback to 20 years ago but they they did have glowworm dicks yeah which that's, uh, i was going. all about like that's all i looked at okay and it's the first time i looked at will i am's dick because it was glowing so yeah i did love that it's weird though because that should have been the closer they opened with the glowing dicks but then they didn't do the glowing dicks for i got a feeling and I was like, why? You save your show-stopping move for the end. You don't open with it. <laughs> also, to me, they kind of look like a dick, but not really. They looked like... No, they didn't look at all they like They look dicks. like the back of a um, like a thong. Like, you know, like a 90s thong? The ones that were, like, really wide? Yeah, they look... Yeah. It looked and, like a glowing thong. And when they got close up the video, they were like beads. It was like they shoved Christmas lights down their pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's it, what the budget was for it. It was like a light bright. But who was your favorite? My my favorite performance. Well, I mean, Michael, that's a that's a tough ask. (laughs) Really? Why? (laughs) Because they were all bad to you. I think they were all pretty bad. No, I think that probably 
I, re- I did really like Lady Gaga's performance because there were so many costume changes because obviously it was like pre-taped. Um, and I Wait, did- can we talk about her performance? So yes, I wanted to like it because her whole era right now is like, you know, Raver meets like um, uh, Golden Girl and Guardians of the Gemstones. Yeah, I can't. You will only it. know that reference if you grew up in the 80s. But I, I, don't, I don't hate it. But... I was, uh, and then she like played this piano that was a, a brain and it looked like a mad ball. It was a choice. Oh yeah, it was a mad ball. Right? So her whole performance, it was like looking into the toy chest of a kid from the 80s, which I think I just sold myself that I like it. I just talked myself into liking it. Your brain is like, Michael, trust me on this one. <laughs> I know you're fighting against it. And then like in between... I forgot what song she was doing. She was talking to the audience and she suddenly gets like all tough. Oh, yeah. And she's like, wear a mask, you know, be tough. And it was so weird. I want to all night every day. But I want you to love yourself tonight and every night. Celebrate yourself. Love who you are. Be kind. Mask up. Be brave and braver all the time. One, two, make it stupid. She was like a long lost tank girl character. Yeah. 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 That that was very, that was a choice. That was a really weird choice. And plus, you don't have to sell a mask that badly. Like, I did like that. No, look, I like, I like that she's pushing the mask, but she was like really pushing masks. And yeah, like, she was. Well, that's good because a lot of like kids maybe aren't wearing masks, so she was pushing pro. Even though she looked like the villain from uh, Mad Max, mm-hmm. she, she was pushing those masks. So I did appreciate that. You know what? If you're gonna have a message in the middle of a COVID award ceremony, mask is probably the right one to go for. Yeah. So yeah, I can't shit on that too much. Also, I do love how like everyone online was like, like, I do love the jokes where it's like, if Ariana Grande can hit the whistle notes while wearing a mask, and I'm like, people, come on. This is a lip sync performance. <laughs> well, Nobody's also... hitting any of those notes. And it was funny because they were wearing the masks, but then they were like, their mouths were peeking out from yeah. the mask. So like, you see their little mouth moving under this like huge mask yeah oh boy it you know what it was a mess but i was entertained my favorite yes. was hands down miley hands yeah. hands down okay okay why <laughs> tell me sell well me because it. her look right now is like very like you know if elvira from scarface joined a runaways cover band from central florida so I do love like that. Mm-hmm. I I even mm-hmm. love like her horrible mullet. And like her performance was simple, but it was hot. Like she, if you didn't see it, so it was just Miley in a big studio or something. Mm-hmm. And it started off with just her all red. Mm-hmm. It was Everything was red. It was the lights. And then she went into like a periwinkle, I want to say. <laughs> well, it's like she was like, moment. it's like she was living inside a pair of 3D glasses. Yes, Disposable exactly. 3D glasses. Yeah. And then she climbed these stairs and then she ripped off her skirt and she had only sequin panties on and she climbed a disco ball and, you know, wrote it like a wrecking ball in reference to her song Wrecking Ball and... I mean, I just, 
she, I loved it all. She put on a show. She put on a greasy looking show, and I, you know, it was better. It was better than and more unexpected than some people's. Like I will tell you who my favorite performance is, but I, it's a hard act to follow because you really sold Miley, which I no, but you did <laughs> not right? really. No, but I appreciate the risk she's taking. It's a you know she's got a lot of nerve is it a with risk? that hair. Well, her get wearing panties on a wrecking ball. We've seen that. It's not it to me. It's not a risk, but it was like entertaining. I liked looking at it. I think Lady Gaga's was like too much. I was like. Ugh. I don't, this is too much. For well, me. I mean, it was a risk because Miley wasn't wearing a face mask. And Michael, oh my we're, God, you're we're right. still in the middle of a pandemic. Okay. You're right. So my favorite was The weekend. So he performed blinding lights on the top of this building by himself. Again, just lip syncing his heart out. Bless him. And so his album After Hours came out a long time ago. Like, it's not new. Did it? It's like... Uh, a couple months, maybe. It's pre-quarantine, I think. Oh, I th- yeah, that's not that old. But my January, February, that's kind of old. I think it was February. Oh, okay. Don't quote me on this. I obviously <laughs> don't have access to the internet. Can't look it up. But anyways, the point is, he's had this like character while... He's very Lady Gaga in this way, where he, oh, yeah. he commits to a character when he has an album. So this character is like... He's this, like, guy, and he's got driving gloves on. It's very uh, Ryan um, Gosling in Drive. He's, like, driving gloves, and his face is all beat up because he's, like, got into a fight, but it's very nice. But it's, like, fake, and it looks bad. It's like, terrible. the fake nose, right? Oh, the fake nose is so bad. It looks like Nicole Kidman in The Hours. It's, like, the fakest of fake noses. Yeah. And he looks like he's, like, auditioning for a Michael Mann movie. So with that being said, I love the theatrics of it. I love that it's so high school drama choice. He's committing. He's committing so hard. He's committing so hard, too, in a world where we don't give a shit anymore. Like, we're like, 2020 is a nightmare. Uh, There's a pandemic on right now. And he's like, yeah, no, listen, I understand that. But I've developed this character, like, months ago. And I have to stick to it. I bought all these red suits and all these driving gloves. Yeah, I'm going for it. Yeah. So that that was my favorite performance. And I also loved Chloe and ha- um, Hallie. I did see, th- they did the pre-show, which what? They should have done the main show. Like, Absolutely. Instead of Doja Cat. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they, like, theirs was like disco robots. Ooh, it was very Rachel Marin, Queen of the Night. Yeah. Or like Grace Jones is the Tin Man mm-hmm. is what I saw. So if you haven't seen that, you can look at it on uh, MTV's YouTube page. I loved it. Mm-hmm. They Again, they should have done the um, main show. But overall, I think they did as good as they could. Like, the whole show, I mean. Like, right? I think so. It could have been way worse. It could have been just all filmed in, like, a green screen office. You know, like an office where you just pull down the green screen and you're like, okay, you got four feet of clearance to work with. So Yeah, or I, people at home singing on their couch. Oh, no, Which I goal. probably would have appreciated that. I don't know. I don't know if I would have stuck around for that. That kind of stuff makes me feel weird. I think it was good. It could have been a way bigger mess, which, I mean, I love I love a mess. Um, yeah, and I was missing, like, the audience because award shows, a big part is the audience because they scan to them, you know, who's making a bitch face at who. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift, not, you know, you couldn't see Taylor Swift dancing in the audience like she does at every damn award show. They should have, like, CGI'd a dancing Taylor Swift just, oh. like, on the side. 
I was going to say next year, Michael, but I don't want this to last for next yeah, year. No. I don't want to put that energy out there. Okay, so let's move on to Brad Pitt's new girlfriend or the woman he's dating. We mm-hmm. don't know if they're boyfriend and girlfriend. We don't know them like that. Um, so many thought Brad was dating um, Aaliyah Shawkat, but Brad, who's 56 years old, is with 27-year-old German model Nicole Paterowski. Paterowski. Sounds Paterowski. good. So... Some say that Nicole is like an Angelina Jolie lookalike. Who do you think she looks like, Alison? Not Angelina Jolie. Okay, to me, she is, if someone got confused and tried to draw a picture of um, Bella Hadid that ended up looking like Irina Shayk. See, I see. I see Irina Shayk. Yeah. But I also, I see her, uh, Nicole, like a cross between Giselle Bundchen Mm -hmm. and Irina Shayk. Jizz Shayk. Why not? I also yeah, that's see, my new I, drag name. Oh, Michael, please welcome to the stage. Just shake. I also see a sprinkle of Melania Trump in her face, too. Mm, maybe if I squint, like Melania, Melania. I will see Melania. <laughs> so we found out that Brad and Nicole are doing it after the Daily Mail posted pictures of them getting on a private jet in California. And that jet was headed to France, where Brad and Angelina Jolie own a wine vineyard called Chateau Miraval. Mm-hmm. So their rosé is not bad, FYI, I, Chateau. But it's expensive for me. Yeah, it's not It's not affordable. No. But, but yeah, I it's like 20 it's- bucks a bottle. That is not affordable for me. Yeah. So Brad and Nicole were apparently going to spend the week together at Chateau Miraval. Um, Brad is legally single, but he's still fighting with Angelina over custody issues and money issues in their divorce. Mm-hmm. So Brad is a 56-year-old movie star. And if he didn't date a 20-something-year-old model at least once, he'd be kicked out of Hollywood, right? Yeah, his Hollywood card would be revoked and torn up in front of his face and then thrown back in his face. So that's not the scandalous part. The scandalous part is that Nicole is married and she's got a seven-year-old son named Emil. So with her husband. Now, her husband is a German businessman named Roland Mary, and he owns a really fancy restaurant in Berlin called Borchard. The Daily Mail says that Brad is no homewrecker because Roland and Nicole have an open marriage type situation. And since he's been married a bunch of times and has a bunch of kids, he's a more go with the flow type of hoe. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, you know, he Nicole can do whatever she wants. So, and Roland is 68 years old. So Nicole loves that old daddy dick. Me R- too. Old rich daddy dick. Yeah. So here's the timeline of the love affair of Brad and Nicole, according to the tabloids. Mm -hmm. So Brad has been to Borchard several times, and he knows Roland. So in August of last year, Brad was in Berlin to promote Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I can't believe that movie just came out last year. How? It feels like 10 years ago. Did it just come out last year? Yeah, it did. Oh my god, yeah, it feels like 10 years ago. So... So he was he was in Berlin to promote it, and he ate at Borchard and met Nicole. And he gave her his number, and she accepted with a wink. <laughs> so she basically flirted with another man in her husband's restaurant. Ooh, that's brave. A, a bald hoe. I bow down. So in November of last year, so three months 
after they met, Nicole was spotted with Brad at Kanye West's Sunday service at the Hollywood Bowl, and they looked cozy. Mm-hmm. My favorite word, tabloid word. Uh, sources also say that um, Nicole has been seen in L.A., and so is her son. So in February of this year, Nicole posted a picture on Instagram of her just strolling in what looks like Beverly Hills, and she put the caption, Missing my strolls with my love. Mm-hmm. Maybe talking about Brad. Probably. And that leads us to last week when they got on that private jet and witnesses said they looked all lovey-dovey. And like I said, Nicole was supposed to stay the week at Chateau Miraval, but apparently she left three days after getting there and didn't stay the weekend. Mm. Maybe she remembered that there's a pandemic on and she's like, ooh, this is crazy. All this cross-water cross, cross water travel, I should be going home. Or she tasted that $20 wine was like, I can't believe he served me this cheap-ass $20 wine. She's like, Bleh. Barfing it up. I mean, this just seems messy. It seems messy, but you know what it also kind of reminds me of? Is, Michael, do you remember the movie Indecent Proposal? Yes. With Demi Moore and Woody of Harrelson course. and Robert. Yes. Of course. Who could forget Indecent Proposal? This kind of feels Who like could forget all the high school girls who wore the bootleg version they bought at Charlotte Russe of uh, that dress Michael, to prom? They all did. Michael, don't shit on those girls. That is a beautiful dress. It's an iconic design. It's Not gorgeous. the Charlotte Rue version. Look, you look, you buy what you can get, okay? If you have $40, you're getting the Charlotte Russe version. Not everybody can afford the Demi Moore version, which I assume was... Terry Mugler? Oh, maybe. I think so. Oh, uh, probably. I mean, it was the late 80s, early 90s. Anyways, that's a good dress. Um, but it reminds me of a decent proposal because there's a super rich old guy... And then there's like this young, gorgeous um, girl. And then there's like a blonde guy who just like looks like you might, I don't know. He's just like handsome. That's Woody Harrelson. He's a handsome guy. But also the dynamics don't work because I know that in decent I know, proposal, it's like reverse. <laughs> yeah, like Demi Moore and Woody Harrelson were married. But this feels like a, like a gentleman's agreement where like um, Nicole is like, I want to date you, Brad Pitt. But... I have an old husband back at home and he's going to be checking up on things. And like, I feel like there's going to be like money exchange somewhere, which I mean, don't count it out because Brad Pitt has been getting divorced for like four years now. So who knows how high his divorce bills are. Wait, so you're saying Brad is is a prostitute? I don't know if he's a prostitute. I'm just saying someone is <laughs> that rolling... took a that took a turn. <laughs> someone is rolling around on a bed of money right now, and I don't know who it is. It might be Brad Pitt. He might be doing it in the Terry Mugler dress. I don't know, but I just get I get money rolling bed vibes from this story. And I'm not saying anyone's a prostitute. You don't have to be a prostitute. I get like messy because, you know, it seems like Nicole is still very much married, Mm -hmm. aka not separated from Roland. And she has an open marriage with him. But usually to me, an open marriage is like, you can fuck around, but don't get feelings and don't fall in love. Oh, yeah. There's no kissing on the mouth with an open marriage. Yeah. So now it's like she's still with her husband, but is also in like a love thing with Brad. And so it's a mess. And I've seen people like call her, you know, a gold digger and a social climber and an attention whore, whatever, which maybe, but we're barely finding out about this. And they've been dating since at least November. So Mm -hmm. she didn't blab during all those months. 
Yeah, and how much of a gold digger is she? She's already with a super old rich guy. Brad Pitt is practically a downgrade. Brad Pitt's probably richer, right? I don't know. I mean, those old guys, they always have, like, secret investments and shit. We'll fact check that and correct ourselves next time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But do you think Brad leaked this to get back at Angelina? Oh, my God, that's diabolical. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or Jennifer Aniston did to get back at all of them because she's this is obviously her priority still. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is someone leaked. Someone from Team Brad leaked it. (laughs) So finally, here's this uh, insane story about a woman who found out that her ex-husband cheated on her by reading his wedding announcement in the vow column of the New York Times. It's like a Nancy Myers movie gone wrong. Mm -hmm. So the woman, her name is Nikita Moreno, and she told the New York Post that three weeks ago, friends started texting and calling her about how her ex-husband Rob was in the New York Times, and not to read it because it will upset her. So a friend broke it down for her, and it was an article announcing that Rob, who is a fitness entrepreneur, married his girlfriend Lauren. And the article said he had never been married, and that he and Lauren started their relationship in January 2017. Now, Nikita says that in January 2017, she and Rob were still married, And they didn't split until March 2017. And they got divorced January 2018. Mm -hmm. So she told the Post, my friends contacted the paper, which issued a correction on Rob's previous marital status. But I still felt completely erased. He was publicly admitting that he dated this woman while we were married. The details of, of his infidelity laid out on the page. So Nikita says that she and Rob met in the summer of 2013, and by that winter, they were living together, and then they got married in a civil ceremony on December 23rd, 2015. Now, they were planning a bigger wedding in his hometown of Dallas on August 12th, 2000, sorry for all these dates, (laughs) August 12th, 2017. So they booked and they put a deposit on the venue. She bought her wedding dress and her family from Trinidad and England, where she's from, all booked flights for the wedding. So a lot of money came out of pockets for this wedding. So in December 2016, Nikita's mother, her aunt and cousin flew from England to Dallas to meet Rob's mother and help with more wedding plans. Mm. Three months later... They, uh, Nikita and Rob went back to Texas for his friend's wedding and to make more of their own wedding plans. And when they got back to New York after that trip, she said shit was off and he said he needed space. And she figured he was stressed out from the wedding planning. Mm -hmm. So she's the one who left their home and went to stay with a friend for a week. When she got back, he said he wanted a divorce and it was so abrupt that she said she thought like he had some kind of medical thing that changed his personality. Mm-hmm, like a brain tumor. Yeah. But now she knows that he's a cheating slut who found another woman. Mm-hmm. She's got confirmation, courtesy of the New York Times. Yeah. And she said that even his family was shocked about his decision. And she had a feeling he was cheating on her, but he never gave her a straight answer when she asked. And it gets worse. So the same month he that Rob dumped Nikita, she found out she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And he told her he didn't want the baby. 
she miscarried a couple of months later, and she believes it was from the stress of her marriage ending. And Rob never called. Rob called her, but he never visited in the hospital. That's cool. So he's definitely winning husband of the decade. Mm-hmm. Um, she went through a lot of therapy, but said the New York Times opened up a bunch of bad shit for her. And she ended by saying, if Rob and his new wife are meant to be together, I want them to be happy. I simply wish he had told me the truth. As for me, I have found love again. He's a wonderful person who ticks all the boxes. I believe everyone deserves a love story, one built on the truth. It is possible to find happiness after the pain. So Rob told the Post that he and Nikita were separated and agreed to um, an amicable divorce, and he's surprised that there was ever an issue. (laughs) Of course Rob would say that. Of course he would. Oh my gosh. I mean, I I hate to defend this guy, and I hesitate to call this defending, but this situation could be way worse. Like, she found out that he was cheating on her after they split up right like she, yeah she got confirmation of it after i'm sure that like there has been some guy out there who has had the audacity to like pull something while someone is still together like imagine if they're sitting at home on like or on like a friday and she's like what are our plans this weekend and he's like oh i'm busy i've got something to do on saturday and she's like oh that's so weird what are you doing? And why is your good suit pulled out of the closet? And he's like, uh, no reason. Don't ask. <laughs> like, I'm sure that she could have found out while they were still married. What, that, that he, he was cheating on her? Well, that he like had gotten married or something like it could. This situation is bad, but it could, you know, it could always be exponentially worse. I don't know. I think like finding out after might be worse because you've kind of worked through shit and mm-hmm. then suddenly this shit comes back up. Yeah, that's yeah. You don't want to revisit that. No, like that's why maybe finding out after would. But um, he acts like Nikita kind of made this all up. Mm-hmm. But why? Yeah, like she could have her own fairy tale New York Times I do column when she finally marries her boyfriend. Like she wasn't doing it because she wanted press attention. And it seems like he did lie to the New York Times about being married before. So he got caught there. So I believe her. But do you think the new wife knows that he was married? We can only know for sure. And that's if somebody goes to their house and finds a bunch of boxes with clothes out on the curb. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But she's been warned. She's <laughs> been And like, what I wonder is why in the hell, like, did he put those details in the wedding announcement? Is he just stupid or is like he vindictive and him coming out with that public announcement was like a way of erasing his past marriage? That's where I think that maybe his new wife didn't know. Ugh. Is because he's like, he's like, you know, she's like, hey, let's put let's put an ad in the newspaper saying we got married. And he's like, oh, yeah, OK, sure. And she's like, let's put the details of when we met. And he's like, uh, oh, yeah, OK, sure. let's do that. We we met in 2017. I was never married before. She's like, <laughs> he's like putting as many things. He's like, when did Nikita and I split? Um, <laughs> she's like, who's Nikita? <laughs> but Nikita's better than me because I would I would have sued him. For the money that I lost from that wedding that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I would take him to Judge Judy. Because Judge Judy, she would eat him alive. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't meet his next soulmate if he was in Judge Judy's stomach. 
Allison and I will now get into five stories, starting with Katy Perry. So after being pregnant for what felt like 11 years, Katy Perry gave birth to her first child with her fiancé, Orlando Bloom, and um, is Orlando Bloom's second. Orlando's got a nine-year-old son with Miranda Kerr named Flynn Christopher Bloom. Katy gave birth to a daughter, and they decided to name her Daisy Dave, Daisy Dove Bloom. Zoe Deschanel's probably furious, because Daisy Dove was the name of her next kid. Daisy, mm-hmm. I'd like Daisy Dave better. <laughs> yeah, Daisy Dave. <laughs> that name is all Katy Perry. Like, Daisy and Dove is, that's like extremely relevant to her interests. And I think that's probably for the best, though, if that was like completely her choice. Because if she had given Orlando the option to like, you know, throw out some name suggestions. Yeah, based on his interests we might get a kid named like Daisy Paddleboard or Daisy Skinny Dip. I mean, I love the name Daisy Dove Bloom because it's the name of my favorite strain of Indica, which I'm guessing is what Katie and Orlando smoked when they came up with that name. So let's keep with the baby news uh, with Ed Sheeran and his wife, Cherry Seaborn. Cherry Seaborn and Daisy Dove, they kind of, they like characters in a, a cutesy young adult novel. About high school girls who solve crimes. Solve crimes, yep. (laughs) Anyway, Ed and Cherry recently welcomed their first child, a girl they named, this is a mouthful, Lyra Antarctica Seaborn Sheeran. It just rolls off the tongue like Mm -hmm. a melting glacier. Um, And FYI, Lyra's initials are Lass. (laughs) Lass. (laughs) And I'm sure future bullies are going to love that she's got ass in her initials. Wait, Lyra ass. Bullies? Are you kidding me? Everyone would be like, I'm jealous that you got ass in your initials. That's true. That's you a know, good point. Depending on how global warming is going, by the time she goes through, by the time Lass goes through her rebellious teenage phase, she could easily change her name to Lyra Melted Ice Shelf, which also just rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, that's just, that's a good one, yeah. So Nisi Nash publicly came out this week while also coming out as a new wife. So Nisi announced that she married singer Jessica Betts and posted a picture of her wedding on Instagram and added the caption, Mrs. Carol Denise Betts. Carol is uh, Nisi's real name. This is Nisi's um, third marriage. She was last married to Jay Tucker. They split in June of 2019, and she became legally single this past June. And now she's gay married. Mm-hmm. Yay! And congratulations, Nisi Nash. So when Nisi and her last husband got divorced last year, they released a statement saying it was like a really nice breakup statement. Um, they were like, we always believed in the beauty of truth. And right now we're better friends than partners. And it was just really nice. But now looking back, that statement reads like very obvious foreshadowing. Like it's like, surprise, the truth is that I am planning a beautiful wedding to a lady. Date to be determined. And I loved Nisi Everson's clean house. Mm-hmm. And I really loved her and getting on. So I'm happy that she's out, proud, married, getting regular coochie. But Mm -hmm. when I saw her wedding picture and saw that she got married in front of a group of people, I screamed, where are your fucking masks? Mm -hmm. Nobody was wearing masks. That that should be the tagline of 2020. So many of us dream of deep-throating a long snake, but not like this. (laughs) 
A video from Russia has been making the rounds and it shows a woman on the operating table and she's under anesthesia and doctors are pulling a four foot long snake out of her mouth. The woman claims she fell asleep in her yard and the snake slithered into her mouth. She went to the hospital after she was not feeling well. Uh, who knows if the snake was dead or alive? And apparently locals of the village where the woman lives uh, warn kids not to sleep outside because snakes can get in their mouths. Oh, Michael, to paraphrase Samuel L. Jackson, there are too many motherfucking snakes in these motherfucking Russian mouths. <laughs> that... <laughs> now on Pornhub. <laughs> but um, it's like this. Uh, I already made the obvious joke, but this reminded me of when. I was a kid and a family member, I don't remember who exactly, told me that when you're asleep, cockroaches can crawl into your ear when you sleep. Did you ever hear this? I've heard spiders in your mouth, not cockroaches in your ear. Cockroaches in your ear like go to your brain. So I've never been the same since. And for a while, like I slept with cotton balls in my ears because I was terrified. So after seeing the snake video, like, I would sleep with a ball gag in my mouth like I don't already. But no living thing ever wants to enter my mouth. I was going to say. I'm I'm fine. The snake slithers past you and it's like, oh, don't flatter yourself. (laughs) So we've talked about Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion's song WAP a lot on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And while doing my nightly routine of watching TikTok for six hours, um... I came across a TikTok user named Stephanie Tilnack who did a G-rated kids bot version called Waffles and Pancakes. Mm-hmm. So let me play a little for you. Mm-hmm. Welcome to my attempt of making a kids bot version of WAP. So these are the lyrics I have so far. As you can see, WAP here stands for Waffles and Pancakes, and this should sound something like kids. In this house, kids. Kids. In this house, kids. Waffles and pancakes. Oh, that syrup made me weak. You want some of these waffles and pancakes? A fork and a knife for these waffles and pancakes. These waffles and pancakes. <laughs> this so is can- what I look at for six hours. Oh. oh my god! Honestly, give give them a recording contract immediately. <laughs> Cardi you know, B is over. Cardi B just like announces her retirement. She's like, "How can I go on? How can I honestly go on after this? I can't." Honestly, when okay, so there was a joke when I think it was from Clickhole, maybe when WAP came out, they were like, uh, "Kids WAP." They like it's impossible for them to actually rewrite this song, but waffles and pancakes makes tons of sense, and it works because not every lyric actually needs to be changed. So, for example, the lyric "Gobble me, swallow me, drip down the side of me" that could be about waffles and pancakes, or like you just ruined waffles and pancakes. Okay, wait, hold on, I'm gonna ruin it further. Okay, it's going in dry and it's coming out soggy. That's obviously about putting syrup on waffles and pancakes.
for this week's show and tell, Allison and I are twins mm-hmm. because we have the same one, and that's the documentary Class Action Park on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And it's about Action Park, which has been called the most dangerous amusement park ever, and it was in Vernon, New Jersey, and was open from 1978 to 1996. Mm-hmm. So, like, people, it was, like, notorious for being just like a major danger zone like i'm pretty sure that the highway leading up to action park was uh the reason danger zone drive highway to the danger Uh, zone (laughs) highway to hell (laughs) yeah pretty much so the nicknames for action park ranged from like traction park to accident park to class action park which is where we get the you know name of the documentary from um it's about this guy named gene malvahill who used to work on wall street then he left Wall Street, decided to buy... Yeah, he was like a, a wolf on Wall Street type. What's his mm. name? Um, uh, the one that Leonardo G- DiCaprio played. That guy. Jared. <laughs> yeah, he's like a that and like with a mixture of Trump. He's very he, Trump-like. Yeah, he was also reportedly like friends with Trump kind of. So yeah. that kind of tells you a lot about this guy. So he decided to buy a, uh, a ski hill in Vernon, New Jersey, which is like a really small town. Really, really tiny. He converted it into this place called Action Park. And the whole thing that he wanted to do with Action Park was, um, like, it's one of America's first, like, technically one of America's first water parks. But he wanted it to be this place where, like, there's no rules. It's super Mm. dangerous. In the documentary, they describe it in a way, and I was like, this is exactly what it is. They're like, when you go to a normal theme park, it feels dangerous, but it's all super safe. And that's the fun of it, right? Is that you're going into something knowing that it's going to be a thrill, not a fear. And you're not going to die. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. You're probably not going to die. Whereas whereas at Action Park, they're like, look, there's there's a chance you're going to die. Like, because they were like, it actually is scary because there aren't any rules. There's like very little regard for safety. That all the employees were like teenagers that weren't trained in anything. There was tons of booze in the park. Like, you could drink all over the park. And no. And the rides were like, he would just, Uncle Gene, which, ugh, that they call them that. Yeah, barf. He would just come up with, like, oh, let's do, like, they had a water uh, slide that was a tube. And it uh, it had a, what is that called? Okay, so that one's called the Cannonball Loop. Yeah, a loop, and yeah. you kind of just go down it, and you go through this loop, and it's all this entombed, and then you get shot out. But it's like, people were getting fucked up on it. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's like a death trap. Yeah, like there's this one thing that they spend a bunch of time on. It's called the Alpine Slide, and it's one of those slides you have probably seen like a picture of it at one point in time in your life. It's like a cement slide that goes down the hill of a ski hill or something, and you're sitting on this little plastic sled that has a handbrake in the front. But the whole thing with the um, Alpine side was that all of the handbrakes were broken. So you couldn't actually slow down and you're supposed to slow down. So like kids would end up slamming into the cement and they would get like crazy rash burns all over them or like they would flip off of the slides. Well, and one kid died. He died because he flipped off the slide and hit his head and because you could i don't think like you needed some kind of skill it's not like anybody could go down it because they they talked about like you needed to move your body weight a certain way when you turn the corners Mm -hmm. yeah and especially if you were like drunk oh if you're because a lot of like adults would get drunk and then you they would yeah it was a 
disaster. It was a mess. There's one of the parts in the documentary that I would just like, I was like, holy shit. They had these speedboats, these like one person speedboats with like actual outboard motors on them, like real outboard motors. And they drove them around in a lake that was infested with snakes. Yeah. And so like you would fall out of the boat and there would just be like snakes or like snakes would be all around. It It's like Russia taking a nap in Russia. There was like snakes everywhere. Just like our last story with the snake, <laughs> snake in the mouth. That's what the, I was calling back. Have to. you ever been to a, a water park? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. Nothing close to Action Park, but there was. Um, I was talking to a friend about this actually after I watched the Class Action Park documentary. Um, I went to this one water park, and I was in a tube ride, and uh, the tube started kind of going up really high over the side of the ride to the point where. I was like, you know, when you have like a moment where you're like, you go from like, this is fun to being like, oh, this is, this is fucked up. I don't like this. And it was started to go up way too high over the side. And I started putting my hands down in the slide to slow myself down. Yeah. And then a bunch of people had done that because they were going too fast. And I guess somebody was afraid of flipping over the side. And then they all started to like build up in this one spot. So you would like hit like six different people that were just that had slowed down too much. Anyways, point is, I went back like two years later and that slide wasn't there anymore. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, I think somebody might have gotten like seriously injured on it. Yeah, Anyways, like we had a mm-hmm. we had a water park called Raging Waters it's in mm-hmm. San Dimas. I think it's still there. It And like what I did like about uh, Class Action Park is um, it did made me remember like growing up in the 80s, how we kind of, did all this stupid shit without yeah. even thinking. Like I used to play in construction zones. <laughs> we would go in the sewers and play like, uh, and there are killer clowns living down there. And At we would go and play, yeah, play down there. So, but Raging Waters, as soon as I went to Raging Waters, I knew this shit was fucked up. <laughs> I was like, this does not seem right. Because I would I would watch people go down these slides and I'm they're going to fly off the side like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not right. And so I probably went on, like, two of the little kitty slides mm-hmm. and called it a day. And not only that, but because there were all these kids there, you know, kids are nasty. They piss in the pool, probably shit. There was so much chlorine. It was, like, bleach my skin, practically. There was so much of it. Oh, you could, like, smell it in yeah. your nose. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah, it's n- it's not fun. Like, um, have you ever gone down one of those water slides that's straight down? No, I would never do that shit. Uh-uh. Okay, I've been. Yeah, on one, I don't want to die. I've been on two different ones of those at two different places, and the one felt safe to me. I was like, I'm having fun. This is okay. But then I got to the end of it, and all the water starts splashing in your face, and then I couldn't breathe. And in my head, I just kept thinking like. Well, the slide has to end eventually. Eventually, I'll be able to breathe again. Like, so that's fucked up. Then the other one I went down, I could feel like the rivets along the slide as I was going down. So it was like bump, 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 bump in my back. And then I had like scratches all on my back. And Well, in Class Action Park, they talk about how like the bolts, like um, screws would come loose. So (laughs) people would like go down the slide and they would like, it would cut them open. Yeah, they'd be like impaled on stuff. It's, Yeah. So I actually, um, I have a friend who grew up in New Jersey. So right after I watched uh, Class Action Park, I texted her immediately. And I was like, hey, did you ever go to Class Action Park with your family? 
I was expecting her to write back and be like, oh, yeah, no, we never ended up going. And she wrote back and she goes, yeah, I went with my parents when I was little. I got pink eye from one of the pools. She got and she got off lucky. I, know. I was like, you I was like, you came out of that only having to take antibiotics. You're yeah, that's that's the best outcome from going to. Uh, yeah, action definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love the nostalgia of the documentary, mm-hmm. but my issue with it was yes. that it didn't really get deep enough. Okay, yeah, Michael, I wish this I wish that Class Action Park had been what it felt like was um a Thanksgiving dinner when what I really wanted was a buffet. Like I think Class Action Park would have made a really great six episode mini series. Even three episodes, because it's like, yeah, but six, yeah, would have been great. And like, because like people died there. Yes, and six. Six people they, died there. They didn't cover it like as deeply as I wanted them to cover it. I mean, they did speak to the mother of one, uh, mm-hmm. a kid who was killed there, and I loved her. She was but great. I wish they got into that side more and told more of that side of the story. And it kind of felt like they were glamorizing Uncle Gene who was honestly the worst. Yeah, I I didn't like... Okay, so the one... um, Pardon me. The one, like, town reporter, her name was Jessie Palladini. Do you remember her with, like, the glasses? Yeah. She was the one who worked for the newspaper. Jessie Palladini... She was, like, the editor of the paper, and he got her fired, right? Yes, she rules. I love her. But then... So she was saying, like, I called Jean a lowlife and whatever. But then at the end, she was kind of like, oh, well, like, Jean was bad to some people, but he was good to other people. And I was yeah. like, oh, let's not give him, like, the glamorous, like, end-of-life treatment here. Like, he was running a place that he knew was really dangerous. And, like, they say that six people died at Action Park, but you don't have to report injuries. So it's like, how many people were taken away by an ambulance at Action Park? Like, what I'm trying to say is that, like... It's like it was a super dangerous place and it felt a little too like every time they called him Uncle Gene, I'm like, let's not call this guy Uncle Gene. Like he was he was running like a dangerous business. He faked an insurance company. Yeah, I mean, I won't give things away, but like he pulled schemes. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, people were like, yeah, you know, fucked up shit happened there, but it was fun. I know. I'm like, yeah, but like some people died like some that guy's brother died like it's not that fun i don't know it yeah i i really wish that it had been longer and that they had dedicated like they had dedicated one episode to like here's how crazy it was to work here and like another episode to being like here's how shady gene mulvihill was and then maybe another one to like the deaths and the lawsuits and stuff like that i don't know yeah, it would have been better as a series, like you said. But I do recommend it, especially mm-hmm. if you grew up in the 80s. So that's our show and tell for the week. Um, and that ends this show. We're taking next week off for Labor Day. So we'll be back on September 16th. And if you want to email us about whatever, please do. Our email is dtp at delisted.com. Happy Labor Day. Bye. Bye.